Psalm 90. Psalm 90. We are today getting in. The last couple Sundays we've talked about knowing God. And in knowing God, we are going to start a study of the attributes of God. And... um, An attribute is like a characteristic of God, that which makes God who he is. And in Psalm 90, verse 1, we read, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So the psalmist begins here by telling us a little bit about God, that God is from everlasting to everlasting. He is God. Now, it is very, very important that we have a biblical understanding of who God is. Recently, a NFL playoff quarterback said that although he was brought up in a Christian church, that he's turned away from it because he doesn't believe in the the binary system, meaning that divides people into saved and unsaved. He said, I quote, I don't know how you can believe in a God who wants to condemn most of the planet to a fiery hell. Like what type of loving, sensitive, omnipresent, omnipotent being wants to condemn most of his beautiful creation to fiery hell at the end of all this, he asked. Now, there's a, there's a number of things that are problematic with this. He begins by saying, I don't know how such and such could happen. Well, Because I can't figure everything out, it doesn't mean that it's not true. He also says that God wants to condemn most of his beautiful creation to a fiery hell. God has no desire. Hell was made for the devil and his angels. And and yet this philosophy that that has been espoused by this NFL quarterback is such that many people have come to embrace this. The problem is, if my view of God does not match up with God's view of who he is and God's explanation, the problem is not with God, but the problem is with me. And I can say, and you can say, and people can say many different things about, well, I think this about God, and I believe this, or I don't understand how how God could be this. That's fine for us to speculate and and conjure up ideas, but God warned us about that. He said... Um, You know, you can't make a God after your own image. You can't make a God into, well, I think God is this. God tells us who he is. 
And we have to align our belief of God with what God tells us that he is. And so we're beginning a series dealing and looking at the characteristics of God, the attributes of God. And and today we're going to look at two aspects of them that are um, difficult to to explain. And and the first one is the fact that God is self-existent, meaning that God has always existed. He does not have a beginning. He has no end. And he has no needs. Okay? Do you understand? He has no beginning. Right away, our mind, our gears in our mind are grinding. Wait a minute. Everything that we think of has a beginning. But God has no beginning. He has no end. The psalmist said, he is from everlasting to everlasting. And he has no needs. So, this is, this is what God tells us. The Bible begins with this. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. He doesn't defend his existence. He just states it that God has been everlasting. He's always been there. And he will always be there. And, and he states that he is self-existent. He has need of nothing else. Turn to the book of Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. God came to Moses and called Moses to lead the children of Israel. And Moses said, Exodus chapter 3 and verse 13. <clears throat> Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? So Moses has a legitimate question. He says, You're telling me to go lead the children of Israel. When I go to them, what authority do I have to tell them? And God said to Moses, verse 14, I am who I am. And he says, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me. So he said that you give to them this definition that the I am, I always have been, I always will be the Self-existent God is the one that who has sent you. Turn, if you would, to John chapter 5. We want to just mention a few verses here and then explain just a little bit more in detail here. <clears throat> John chapter 5 and verse 24. Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death unto life. 
Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so has he granted the Son to have life in himself. The Father has life in himself. He is self-existent. Life is in him. And Jesus says, life is in me. And he existed before, he exists after, and he has no beginning, no end, and he has no need. A word for God that appears nearly 7,000 times in the Bible is the name Jehovah. It's a personal covenant name that God has with Israel, and the root of this name literally means the self-existing one. And and the children of Israel knew this. When they used the word, it meant they knew in their mind came this. He has no beginning, he has no end, and he has no needs. And and they know that. And And in fact, they had such a reverence for this name of God that when possible, they would use another name. But God reiterated that nearly 7,000 times throughout the Bible. God, we we have to understand, God, this aspect of self-existent, God needs nothing. Sometimes we say, God needs you to do this. God needs us to be an ambassador. God doesn't need anything. He he is self-existence. He has no origin. And and that is precisely what distinguishes that which is of God or is God from that which does not. People often assume that God created human beings because he needed companionship, that he was lonely. You don't get that from the Bible. Um, this would mean that God was entirely dependent upon creation to fulfill his needs, that he was dependent upon this, that he needed us to satisfy or bring happiness. Jesus says, he prayed, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began in John 17. So he said, in earth, Jesus was praying, Father, I want you to glorify me the same way that you were glorified before the world began. We glorified you together as the Trinity. We'll get in on another time and deal with the Trinity. But there was all glory. There was all Um, the fullness of God, there was no need for creation. God didn't need it to fulfill a need in his life. And um, this is what it means when he's self-existent. He isn't dependent on creation. If, If today... Everyone on the face of the earth became an atheist. 
understand me carefully, it would not affect God. It wouldn't change. It wouldn't make God say, oh no, what's going on down there? God is complete and entire. God is grieved with the wicked every day. But it isn't like he needs us. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around this and to understand. But God does, in his mercy, has created us. And he does derive praise and pleasure out of adopting us into his family through faith in Jesus Christ. He makes us recipients of his power, of his joy, of his peace, of his grace, of eternal life through Jesus Christ. But God is self-existent in and of himself. And, and in understanding or won't understand it because this brings us to the second point. God is incomprehensible. So as I was studying this this week, I thought, okay, God, we're going to do a study on the attributes of God, and we're going to say right out of the gate that he's incomprehensible. You can't comprehend God. I told Marilyn, that'll be an easy study. We're done. For the next 20 weeks, we're done. All right? Study's over. He's incomprehensible. But in in realizing what that means... It does not mean that he is unknowable, but that he is unable to be fully known. We can know God, but we can't fully know him. And if you say, this really, this really bothers me to some degree. Well, I can't comprehend everything about my neighbor. Only God does. I also can't comprehend everything about myself. You don't know every detail about yourself. What makes you what you are? You can't comprehend everything about yourself. Only God does. And I can't comprehend my neighbor or another person. I can't fully comprehend myself. And I can't fully comprehend God. So it shouldn't, it shouldn't be a big thing that blows us out of the water to say God is incomprehensible. Turn to Psalm 147. Psalm 147. <clears throat> and notice if you'd look in verse 5. Psalm 147, verse 5. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite or beyond measure. Turn to Psalm 145 and verse 3. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and His greatness is unsearchable. His greatness, literally a translation means, of his greatness there is no end. 
of his greatness, there is no investigation. We can know about God, but we can't fully know God. And rather than that troubliness, it ought to fill us with with delight. Although God is not able to be fully known, he is able to be sufficiently known. What we can know about God is sufficient for our salvation and godliness. It is all that we need. It is all that we need for life, for godliness, and for eternity. Can I fully understand God and comprehend all His ways? Absolutely not. His ways are higher than our ways. There are many things. The secret things belong to God. Remember in Job 38, God came to Job and he said, okay, Job, sit down here and answer me these questions. And he begins with a, a series of about 60 questions. And, and he says, Job, were you there when I stretched out the heavens? And all of these are rhetorical questions. No, I wasn't there. No, 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 no. And, and he's asking questions that there's no way Job can answer. Other than, no, I don't know how you did that. How do, I, how do I do this? I don't know how you do that. But that shouldn't discourage us. That should, that should encourage us to say, this God that is self-existent, that has no need of anything, has no beginning and no end, is far beyond I, all that I can ever comprehend And he's willing to minister in my life. He's willing to step into my life. To admit that there is one who lies beyond us and exists outside of all categories that we could put him in. It should not rather, it should not cause in us um, a lack of faith, a lack of trust. But it should create in us a great deal of humility that this great God is more than anything that I possess or all of us together can possess so that we can dwell with him. So, I can know all that I need to know about God, but I will never fully comprehend God. He is incomprehensible. We know that in us, it's built in us, a beginning and an end. We celebrate our birthday, and we know the day of our death is coming. It's built in. None of us expects to live forever. So, God is self-existent, no beginning, no end, no needs. He is beyond our comprehension And you may be asking, blah, 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 what does all this mean to me? Glad you asked. Number one, because God is self-existent, rejoice. No device of man or Satan can affect, disrupt, or change God. Do you understand the greatness of that? 
God is not dependent on on the United Nations. God is not in fear of what Satan going to do next. God is not worried about the all the atheists in the world. God is self-existent. He is all-powerful. And no device of man or Satan or nations can affect, disrupt, or change God. That's our personal God. And He is self-existent. And, and He wants to be a part of your life. He wants to be your life. And, and to rejoice in this. And, and to think, wow, you know, there are many things in this world that cause, that cause problems and trouble our hearts. And, and that make you scratch your head and think, what in the world is going on? Do you, do you ever notice God never goes, ah, what's going on? I mean, he never has that thought. And, and he is above and beyond all the affairs of man. And he is impervious to the actions of man. And we can rest in him and rejoice in that. Secondly, because he is incomprehensible, but at the same time, I can know what I need to know for life, godliness, and eternity. I can know what I need to know for life. God is the designer. And when we understand his design and walk according to it, we know what we need to know for life. But for spiritual life, he's given us everything we need to know, that we are dead in sin, that there is no way we can have life except through Jesus Christ, through faith in Jesus Christ. And he gave us Jesus Christ fully and freely, not by works that we do. He fully and freely gives us Jesus Christ so that we can have everlasting life. And then he gives us his spirit, so he gave me life, physical life. Then he offers to us spiritual life through receiving Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. When we accept Christ, he gives us his spirit that dwells within, who will then teach us everything we need for godliness. Will you understand everything about God? Absolutely not. Will you ever be able to stand before God and say, God, you withheld this from me, and that's the reason why I couldn't be godly? Absolutely not. Everything you and I need for godliness, we have in God and through the knowledge of him. It's available in Christ, through the ministry of the Spirit, and for all eternity. So, I can know... What I need to know for life, godliness, and for eternity. Thirdly, it is my duty and my delight to spend my life discovering what God has revealed about himself. It is our duty as followers of Jesus Christ... And it will bring delight if we spend ourselves finding out what God has revealed about himself. And that's what we're trying to do here. That we may know him 
So we want to look at the attributes of God. It is my duty. And once you get in and do your duty, it becomes a delight. Wow, look at this. God is self-existence, self-existent in everything in this world that's going on that troubles my heart. God is above and beyond it. I can rejoice in that. That brings delight. But it's not just sitting back and, and, and watching the world go by. It's pursuing God. It's giving ourselves to knowing God. It takes effort. It's as we study the attributes of God. We, we don't have study booklets for you this time, but to go back and, and to go in and study about the self-existence of God, about the incomprehensibleness of God, and, and to begin to find others. We're just scratching the surfaces. But it means to me, it is my duty to know God. No one else can know God for you. And as we saw the last two weeks, the most important thing in life is to know God. So it is my duty and it is my delight. And then fourthly, someday I will fully know Jesus Christ. I will fully know God. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 12. For now we see as in a mirror dimly but then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know even as I am known. The day is going to come when we will see him and we will fully know him. No more sin to cloud our eyes. No more carnal fleshly nature. No more of this world. We will see him face to face and we will know him. And so we have that to look forward to. Right now, to fully know God, I won't fully know. But the day is going to come and, and someone says heaven is going, is going to be like an eternal Christmas. You know, there, there's always the joy when there's more presence there. Oh, there's more here. Here, open this and here's a gift. And then when you look and there's no presence and there's trash everywhere and the tree is empty and bare, it's like, huh. Do you understand? Heaven is going to be forever opening the glories of God up. And it's never going to end because we, we can't even fully ever fully comprehend the greatness of God. And he'll unveil another aspect to us. I mean, the greatness of God in every detail of our life, let alone the universe, let alone in the history of mankind, and someday we'll be able to see as he sees. That's the future that we have in Jesus Christ, that someday we will fully know him. So, well, if God is incomprehensible, then ah, why even try to know him? I am responsible to know what he has revealed about himself. You know, it's, it's like a kid sometimes. A kid says, I want two cookies. And you say, no, you have one cookie now. It's too close to supper or whatever. 
And so you give them one cookie and they throw it down and say, well, I can't have two cookies. I'm not going to have any. And I say, when they do that, I say, fine, I'll eat that cookie. And I'll have two because you forfeited your one. Sometimes, as Christians, we say, well, if I can't know him, then why should I try? No, no, no. He's given us one cookie. It's more than you can eat. And you better get in, and you better be seeking God and seeking to know him. And when you do, it will be a delight. And you'll say, man, that cookie is so good. I can't wait till after supper when I get my other cookie. I can't wait till eternity. And yet many times as Christians, we're not seeking to know God. And don't let this, he's incomprehensible, drive you to apathy and say, well, if you can't know him, you can't know him. You won't know everything about God, but you can know him Every one of us here today can know him way more than we know him now. And do you understand we're responsible for that? And the day is going to come, a glorious future, when we have trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sin, there is going to come a day. I mean, there are so many things I can't wait to hear God explain and give his story about. I mean... I know very little about the eye, but I marvel at the eye, at just how it works, and and how everything, you know, wouldn't be, there's just so many things. I, I can't wait. I mean, just go right from the start. God, show us the video of when you started this whole thing. You know, I don't know if it'll be video or if he'll just reenact it, Poof, you know. I mean... It's going to be incredible. But right now, my responsibility is to pursue God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He's given you everything you need in Jesus Christ, in his word and his spirit. Are you using them to know God? Heavenly Father, I pray that we would be diligent, pursuers of you. Lord, I pray that this coming week we would come to know you more than we ever have before. And Lord, I pray if there are individuals here today that have never been born spiritually, they've never trusted Jesus Christ's death and resurrection for the payment of their sin, Lord, I pray today would be the day that they would be born spiritually, that they would be given everlasting life, and Lord, that they could begin the pursuit of knowing you. Lord, thank you that you are not dependent on anything else, that you have always been and you always will be. Thank you that you are unsearchable in all your ways And, Lord, we do rejoice that all the devices of man, all the hatred of secular humanism and atheism will never affect you, will never change your plan and purpose, and that all the devices of Satan cannot throw you off the throne, that you are God from everlasting to everlasting. And, Lord, I praise you. 
that you have given us everything we need. I praise you for the promise that someday we will know you fully. And Lord, what a great, great God you are. I pray that your spirit would truly find in us hearts that respond to your drawing us to you today. And that we would say yes to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.